you're doing all the things that you should be doing at the core with email, you, know, you could expect 20, 30% or more of your revenue to come from email, right? So if you're a store doing $10,000 a month, right? You can expect, you know, two to $3,000 a month from email. If you're doing $100,000 a month, right? It's 20 to 30,000. So, you know, we're working with brands that are doing tens of thousands of dollars a month in email, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in email. And we even have some brands that are doing low millions of dollars per month uh, from email alone. You're listening to The Liftoff Show, the podcast for ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs, helping you increase sales, profits, and build a powerhouse brand fast. I'm your host, Austin Lovell, and welcome to the show. Welcome back everyone to the Liftoff Show and today I've been looking forward to this interview for a little while now. We have the man himself, Chase Diamond. Chase, do you just want to give a brief overview to anyone who hasn't seen what you do before online? Do you just want to give a bit of a two minute pitch as to what you've been up to in the e-com space? Yeah, absolutely. And first off, thank you for having me. Excited to to be here. So at a really high level, I'm a partner at an e-commerce marketing agency. Uh, In particular, I focus on retention, which is predominantly email marketing and then more recently, SMS. So our agency is about 60 folks uh, you know, across the globe, working with about 120 to 130 different brands that do anywhere from seven to nine figures. And we're doing about five to $10 million a month in email revenue. So we've done tens of millions of dollars in email revenue for our clients, work with a lot of really well-known brands, as well as a ton of brands that are fast growing that you might not have heard of. So excited to be here to talk about agency life, email marketing, uh, whatever it is you wanna talk about. For sure, for sure. And I think what was most exciting is not only your background in email marketing and the amazing things you've been able to do there, but also that you run your own podcast as well. I've been listening to the episodes, you know, religiously. And I think there was a few that I was listening to a while ago where you're talking with people about the brand building process, about owning a whole bunch of brands, using different strategies to level them up. And so I guess one thing that I'd love to start with is email marketing as a whole. You know, jumping into it for a store that's maybe doing between 15 upwards to maybe about 60K a month in rev. What should they be focusing on when it comes to email marketing? Where's the essential starting point? And what do you like to see if you're chatting with someone who's maybe operating a store at that level? What do you want to see in terms of email flows or just their approach to email marketing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that makes sense. So 10 to about 50, 60K a month. So I'll start with three kind of must have core flows. So I'll, I'll name them right now. And then I'll kind of dive into each one. So the first is kind of a welcome series for non-buyers. Again, I'll, we'll talk about that in one second. The next is the abandoned checkout, not to be confused with the abandoned cart. I'll talk about that as well. And then the last is having kind of some basic post-purchase. So let's talk about the, the welcome series. So as a starting place, right, the welcome series is basically one of the most important series that people get when they join your list. And basically this makes your customers accustomed to engaging with your brand. And you're going to set the tone for your entire relationship with them through this process. So typically we follow a four-part email sequence. At any point in the series, if someone converts, they'll get automatically moved from the welcome series into a post-purchase. So again, they will check to make sure that they're not already a buyer. But if they're not a buyer, they'll receive four emails. The first is basically just a welcome and a thank you and sharing any kind of discount code if applicable. So most people enter through a pop-up or a fly-out that says 10% off, free shipping, $10 off, whatever it might be. So make sure you deliver that code in that first email right there. The next email is all about the brand. So your brand story, any kind of unique quality standards, and any kind of benefits of shopping with your company. So this really is the email where you tell your subscribers like what's in it for them, right? We're all selfish as consumers. We want to know, you know what's in it for us, right? Email two will deliver on that. The third email is going to really stress you know, social proof. And social proof comes in the forms of press mentions, 
you know, celebrity endorsements, influencer endorsements, maybe how many retail stores that you're in, any kind of customer reviews or testimonials. So we'll want to leverage a lot of social proof in this email and display kind of your most popular or some of your most popular products so people know, you know, what others like them are buying. And in the last email, if you haven't got them to convert yet, you really want to focus on the community. So follow us on social media, right? Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, join our Facebook group, hit reply to this email. So that's really the welcome series for non-buyers. Does that make sense so far? For sure. For sure. Awesome. If you think about like the customer journey and kind of like where people are at, the most number of people are at the homepage, right? A lot of people there, warm, cold traffic. And then the fewest number of people actually make it through the very bottom where they're you know, buying from your store, right? Each step in the process introduces friction. So the homepage, the category page, the specific product page, the add to cart, the start checkout, the buy, right? Those are a lot of steps that someone has to go through. And at each drop-off, you want to serve people content. So the abandoned checkout, in my opinion, is one of the most important because people are furthest down the funnel. They're so close to buying. They just need a reminder, an extra push uh, to take them from heavy consideration into actually converting and becoming a customer. Whereas the abandoned cart is one step above. People have added to their cart, but they haven't started checkout, right? So that's kind of the difference between the two. Someone on the abandoned cart has something in their cart, but has not taken the further step to actually start entering their shipping details, their payment details, those types of things. Whereas with the abandoned checkout, people have added to cart and at least completed a portion of the checkout, name, email, phone number. Maybe they didn't add their billing. Um, So that's that. And we'll talk about that kind of right now. So typically we started out with two emails for this. And again, just as mentioned, doing this type of email helps you recover people that are most engaged. In the first email, we just want to simply remind them of the item or the items that they left behind. And if you could showcase kind of trust and credibility to the form of you know, reviews and testimonials, that's super important. And then the second email, if people have not converted, it's pretty similar, but we're going to focus here on educating customers on what your company stands for, right? So going back to email two of the welcome series, right? We talk about what's in it for them, the benefits of shopping with the company, how we're different, how we're better, how we're unique. You know, having those types of things within this abandoned checkout email will help encourage these you know, prospects or potential customers to hopefully complete their order. And then again, you want to remind them of the product or the products left behind. So those are the two emails for the abandoned checkout. And then the last one is kind of just some basic post-purchase. So here, you really just want to show appreciation for your customers by saying thank you. By saying thank you, you're going to help you know, strengthen the bond with the customer, and you're hopefully also going to reduce buyer's remorse. And then you can provide them with any education that they need about the product or the products. Um, for example, like a supplement, right? You might just want to tell them, hey, our supplement is best taken with food. Take it in the morning after breakfast every single day, right? Or, hey, there's this you know, CBD or there's this hair care or this skincare with the skincare, right? Make sure you apply it after you've cleaned your face or whatever the instructions are going to be. And then here, you're also going to want to provide you know, valuable content to them and ask them for feedback in the form of reviews and also getting them to join the community. So here we're going to send a couple emails, right? Customer thank you, showing genuine gratitude and trying to validate their purchasing behavior. If we can provide education, awesome. You know, we'll check in, make sure that they got their purchase, see how they're doing, see if they need any help. We'll then ask for a product request, kind of feedback, have them join us on social, so on and so forth. So to answer the question long-winded, you know, if a brand is starting out and doesn't have these three core flows or automations in place, those are the very first three I'd start with. Awesome. Awesome. Now, I appreciate you going in a little bit deeper as well and sort of documenting out what each of those emails look like. 
individually. And now if we throw it back onto the e-com brand owner and we say, okay, here's three flows. If you go and apply these, what results are that should they expect? I know it's going to differ based on their traffic levels and what's going on with their store, but I'm guessing there's going to be people that you've chatted to, loads of people that are a bit hesitant to maybe set up these emails or they've been doing so well with paid ads. They think, what's really the value of adding this extra component in, this extra layer of complexity? But you and I, I think we both know it's not the case. What should they be expecting right off the bat? You know, What role does email play in terms of overall monthly revenue in some of the stores that you see? Yeah, so more than just the three that I mentioned, right? if you have those three plus some additional ones, you're sending weekly ongoing campaigns, right? You're doing all the things that you should be doing at the core with email. You, know, you could expect 20, 30% or more of your revenue to come from email, right? So if you're a store doing $10,000 a month, right? You can expect, you know, two to $3,000 a month from email. If you're doing $100,000 a month, right? It's 20 to 30,000. So, you know, we're working with brands that are doing tens of thousands of dollars a month in email, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in email. And we even have some brands that are doing low millions of dollars per month uh, from email alone. It's crazy. That's crazy. So it's not only just a little thing that you plug in there and it's just going to give you this a little burst. It's it's ongoing. It's something that you can add in a bit of upfront time investment, getting them set up, writing them the right way, structuring out your flows, but then it's ongoing. It keeps going. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, with, with email, right? It's something that's going to produce consistent results. I think that's the thing about uh, you know email as a channel I want to stress is the consistency and the predictability, right? With Facebook and other top of the funnel channels, like one month you might have like a 5X ROAS, and then the next month you're lucky to have like half of, you know, 0.5, right? You're lucky to have half of, you know, X of ROAS. So um, with email, it's pretty consistent where if you have, let's say, $10,000 a month coming from email, you know, this month, you know, next month, if you do things that are similar, you probably could expect eight, 10, 12, $14,000 in revenue from email, right? So that's the thing that we really like is, you know, you understand that if you put in the work and you have the touch points and you're consistent with it, that you're going to be able to drive re- repeatable results. I love that. I love that. And I think that's awesome for any store that's, you know, trying to scale up is just having those consistent, repeatable results, not feast and famine months, you know, going from huge highs to crushing lows. So I think that's super, super valuable. Before we move on to the next part, I wanted to fire away some rapid questions because I know there's always intricacies to every part of marketing, but I think with email, Couple of rapid fire ones. So first of all, what platform tends to be the go-to for you? For e-commerce, uh, you know, all of our clients are using Klaviyo. Open rates. What should they be looking at in terms of their open rate percentages? Yeah, depending on when this podcast launches, it's open rates are kind of an interesting thing with iOS 15. I'm not sure if you're up to date, but for those that aren't up to date, uh, Apple recently rolled out, I think in June, um, an iOS 15 update where at some point this fall, so August, September, October, not entirely sure which one it's going to be. Um, they're actually on Apple, you know, inboxes or devices. You're not going to be able to see what people's uh, open rates are, who opened it. So open rates are kind of an interesting metric, you know, to some degree. I don't want to say they're going to go away entirely, but it's, uh, on Apple devices, they are. They're either going to show that 0% of the people open or, or potentially even 100% of the people open, which isn't obviously the case. Like there's somewhere in the middle. Um, right now, the benchmark for open rates on campaign, which is a one-time send to a group of people, is a 20%. You want to get 20% or higher open rate. Um, you know, for me, I run a weekly newsletter with about 17,000 e-com folks. And I send my newsletter to almost all of them. I send it to about 15 or 16,000 people. And I'm hitting like a 45 or a 50% open rate. So you know, people have signed up. They know my, my name, right? They I send it every single day at the same time. So I've really built like this consistency, I think, which is really important. Um, so I'm, I'm seeing that 
On the other end of the spectrum, there's automations or flows, the, the welcome search on buyers, the abandoned checkout, the post-purchase, those are all automated emails. You know, it's not uncommon for those to be at 40, 50, 60, 70% plus sometimes, right? Those emails, because they're triggered off an action or behavior or some kind of event, people are expecting them or kind of are, are pretty engaged. So they're going to open at a higher rate. So again, it depends on kind of like how big your segment is, how big your list is, um, what kind of content you send, so on and so forth. But 20% or more should be your benchmark for campaigns. And you should be 40, 50, 60% or more on some of these automations. Awesome. Awesome. And last one before we move into iOS 14 and 15 and close up, because I think that's super interesting. Let's quickly touch on what, okay, having a list is great. You know, being able to contact either your existing customers or potential customers, giving them offers, great flows. That all sounds great. But how do we actually build out that list initially? When you've got a store, what do you find is the best way to do it? Is it by giving some valuable content away for free? Is it by having a special pop-up that you tend to go to nine times out of 10? What's the best approach for building a list for an early stage e-com brand? Yeah, like, look, there's there's no substitute for paid traffic. I think paid traffic, I know Facebook and Instagram, they're volatile and they're expensive, this, that, and the other, but they still, they, they work, right? Driving paid traffic is really important. Or if you have been in this space for a while, you have SEO traffic, if you've got affiliates, if you've got influencers, that those are you know great as well. So having some kind of traffic sources is, is huge. In most cases, if you're starting out, you have to run paid traffic because you don't have a huge existing audience. Um, and then, yeah, funnel them to a website or a landing page that has some kind of offer on a pop-up. You know, enter your email for 10% off, enter your email for $10 off, enter your email for free shipping, uh, enter your email to get enrolled in our weekly giveaway or monthly giveaway, right? So you need some kind of offer that's attractive and kind of, you know, invites people to at least give you a chance to kind of wow and impress them. Amazing. Amazing. And now let's let's switch gears. I think this is in the advertising space, I feel like there's certain events that come up and iOS 14 slash 15 is now one that's in front of everyone's minds. If they're a brand owner, they're doing email marketing, they're trying to scale with paid ads. iOS 14, I guess what I've found is that it's sort of taught people to be more thoughtful and resourceful with the traffic that they're getting. If they can't tap into those retargeting audiences as strong as they once were, they've got to use other methods like better email flows, better ways to grab those leads and turn that traffic that they've paid for, that they're earning into stuff that they own. But now with iOS 15, it sounds, you know, by the sounds of it, they're going to still have to do that. And I guess it's just going to be more focused on crafting really great emails. So how do you think over the next couple of months uh, when iOS 15 actually rolls out and even as iOS 14 rolls out, what have you seen in the email space? How's it changed? Is it still business as usual? And is it still the people who create great emails, great flows are always going to be the ones ahead? How have you seen it over the past couple of months and moving forward for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think first starting with like the timestamp of like when we're recording this is important. So that way people mm. have some context, right? Like we're recording this in like the middle of July. So with, with iOS 14, right, I think we've probably been, you know, it's experiencing some, you know, magnitude of that for eight to 10 months, let's just say, right? It's been probably a little bit longer than six months and maybe potentially about a year. But so with iOS 14, iOS 14.5, really the move for a lot of brands there was to own their distribution, right? Really emphasize owning your email list and even pushing brands to start, you know, SMS list, right? Text message marketing. So I think that was like the biggest thing that came from iOS 14, 14.5 was the fact that you need to control your destiny. And how do you do that? It's by owning your audience, right? Being able to control when you send messages, not having to pay more money every single time you want to press send or reach someone, right? So that was kind of what I think iOS 14 taught us is, you know, distribution across all channels, kind of omni-channel, 
diversifying revenue because when I first started in e-commerce four or five, six years ago, you could scale an entire brand off the backs of Facebook and Instagram alone. Or in 2021, that's you know farther from the truth that that's not going to work anymore, right? It's too expensive. You don't know what's going to happen, so on and so forth. Where I was 15, you know, we're kind of in this in-between where they've announced it and a lot of testing's happening, but we haven't seen the magnitude of what's going to happen yet. So if you're listening to this in July or even in August, I would do as much as you can to start sending as many campaigns as you can, getting as many flows set up. So that way you can collect data on like, what are people opening? What's the, you know, open to click through, right? So say you have a thousand people that open, great. Maybe that could be a 20%, a 40 or 60% open rate. But how many people of those thousand that open actually click? Is it hundred people? Is it 500 people? Is it more? Is it less? So that way you can get a sense of the content that's working. Is your email plain text? Is it a designed email? So on and so forth. You know, which offers are hitting, right? Start testing offers. So I think the, the people that are going to win for iOS 15 are the people that are going to be testing it right this very second. And most likely the people have been testing it for the past couple of months. Does that make sense? For sure. For sure. And I think that's a super easy way to put it. I feel like can sometimes get lost in the weeds with all the little changes and people worrying about, you know, what's going on, all the, the minor changes to analytics, reporting and track it, all those things. But then if you just look at it as a whole, if you're going to be doing the right thing and if you're going to be testing like you should be anyway, if you're going to be focusing on delivering great emails and great flows that are valuable, that give value to the customers, then I feel like you're always going to be ahead if you're focusing on what the customer is going to get at the end of the day. So last one that I wanted to ask before we finish up was, I feel like there's a lot of information out there. If you, if you go online and if I was to type into YouTube right now, if I was to type in email marketing for e-commerce brands, I'm sure your face will pop up a few times and there'll be some other content as well. But I'm sure you've chatted with people where they find it a bit difficult to decode and figure out what do I actually need to do to build out a good email flow or to go ahead and you know create one for my store. Or if they're trying to launch new ads, you know, trying to figure out what the best way to do Facebook ads is or trying to figure out the best way to scale it. How do you so, sort of go about decoding and filtering through all the bad stuff to find the gems? Because I'm sure there's some absolute gold out there if you know how to look for it. Yeah, that's a, a good question. And you know, truthfully, right now, I've been doing email for about six years. I'm more of a creator than I am a consumer at this point, right? Like early in my career, I consumed everything. A lot of stuff was really good and even more stuff was was really bad. And I think that prompted me to just create a bunch of content. So I think you just pick like one or two brands or one or two people to focus on and try to you know implement 80% of what they say versus following 10 people implementing only 10% of what each person says, right? So I would pick a few people in the space that are uh, practitioners. I think it's really important. So for, for me, I have courses and I have all these things I teach and whatnot. But the reason that it works is because I'm a practitioner, right? I own an agency. Uh, we currently work with 70 to 75 e-commerce brands on the email side alone. You know, we've worked with probably hundreds of brands over the years. Uh, so find people like myself, find other people, find people like yourself, right? And go follow the people that are actually doing the things that they're telling you to do. I think that's really important. You know, no offense to the you know, gurus, or not going to call anyone out, but right, there's also other people on the other side of the spectrum that used to do this and haven't done it for years or maybe did it for a small period of time and they're projecting certain things, right? They're taking what someone else said. So I think just pick a few influencers, like one or two influencers in the email space, follow them. And then pick a handful of brands, like one or two brands in your sector and don't copy them, right? Don't, don't copy, right? Don't take what they're doing and plagiarize it, but use their stuff as like your North star, um, you know, test, test the copy and kind of make your own tweaks, test similar design assets, but obviously make sure that it is on brand for you. So that's kind of what I would do is sign up to a few lists, buy from them, see what happens pre-purchase, see what happens post-purchase. 
and then just engage in people's content, like on Twitter, on YouTube, on people's newsletters, and just see what they share. Mm, for sure, for sure. Chase, it's been awesome. I appreciate all the insights today and you know, putting some time aside to be on the show. Uh, it's, it's been amazing. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.